Chapter Two of Diary of a Nursing Sister on the Western Front, nineteen fourteen to nineteen fifteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruth Golding. Diary of a Nursing Sister on the Western Front, nineteen fourteen to nineteen fifteen. By Anonymous. Chapter Two. Le Mans. Wounded from the Aisne. September the fifteenth, nineteen fourteen, to October the eleventh, nineteen fourteen. No easy hopes or lies shall bring us to our goal, but iron sacrifice of body, will, and soul. There is but one task for all, for each one life to give. Who stands if freedom fall? Who dies if England live? Rudyard Kipling Tuesday, September the 15th. The train managed to reach Le Mans at 1 a.m. this morning, and kindly shunted into a siding in the station till 6.30 a.m., so we got out our blankets and had a bit of a sleep. At 7, a motor ambulance took us up to number... Stationary Hospital, which is a rather grimy bishop's palace, pretty full and busy. The sisters there gave us tea and biscuits, and we were then sorted out by the senior matron and billeted singly. I'm in a nice little house with a garden, with an old French lady who hasn't a word of English, and fell on my neck when she found I could understand her, and patter glibly and atrociously back. My little room has a big window over the garden, and will, I suppose, be my headquarters for the present, in between train and station duty, which I believe is to be our lot. We go to a rather dim café for meals, and shall then learn what the duty is to be. It is yet a long time coming. We haven't had a meal since the day before yesterday, so I shall be glad when twelve o'clock comes. Now for a wash. Wednesday, September the 16th. Still here. Only four of the twenty-five, five sets of five, who formed our unit, have been found jobs so far. Two are taking a train of sick down to Saint-Nazaire, and two have joined number stationary hospital in the town. We still await orders. This is a first-class war for awaiting orders for some of us. Yesterday it poured all day. We explored the cathedral, which is absolutely beautiful, perched high up over an open space, now crowded with transport and motor ambulances. We made tea in my quarters, and then explored the town. Narrow streets, thronged with Tommies, as usual. We have lunch at eleven, and dinner at seven, at a dingy little inn through a smelly backyard. There is not much to eat, and you fill up with rather nasty bread and unripe pears, and drink a sort of flat cider, as the water is not good. Today it is sunny again. I have just been to High Mass, Coral, and taken photos of the cathedral and the market below, where I got four ripe peaches for a penny halfpenny. Writing in the garden of Madame Bontevin, my landlady. There is any amount of work here at the Bishop's Palace, more than they can get through on night duty with bad cases, and another Jesuit college has been opened, as number stationary. Went up to number S this afternoon, where F has been sent, 
to see her. She asked me to go out and buy cakes for six wounded officers. They seemed highly pleased with them. They are on beds, the men on stretchers, all in holland sheets and brown blankets, only bare necessaries, as the stationary hospitals have to be very mobile. Stretchers make very decent beds, but they are difficult for nursing. They have had a good many deaths, surgical and medical, at Leveche. They have pneumonias and paralysis and septic wounds, and an officer shot through the head with a temperature of a hundred and six and paralysis. There is a civil surgeon with a leg for amputation at number stationary. Friday, September the 18th, Mem Shows. We go up to the hospital and ask for orders, and tonight we were both told to get into ward uniform in the morning and wait there in case a job turns up. I've just come tonight from number station where F is to take her some things she asked me to get for her officers. They have been busy at the station today doing dressings on the trains. A lot have come down from this fighting on the Marne. Yesterday I think one touched the bottom of this waiting business. The food at the dingy inn has dérangé my inside, and I lay down all day yesterday. The sergeant at the dispensary prescribed lead and opium pills for me when I asked for chlorodyne, as he said he'd just cured a general with the same complaint from the sour bread, he said. Fanny, the fat cook here, and Isabel the maid, were overcome with anxiety over my troubles, and fell over each other with hot bottles and drinks and advice. They are perfect angels. Madame Bontevin pays me a state call once a day. She has to have all the windows shut, and we sit close and converse with animation. Flowery French compliments simply fly between us. We often have to help the Tommies out with their shopping. Their attempts to buy Beecham's pills are the funniest. This afternoon I found the Times of September the 15th, Tuesday of this week, in a shop, and had a happy time with it. It referred, in a Frenchman's letter, to a sunset at Havre on an evening that he would never forget, nor shall I, with an American cruiser and a troopship going out. See page 24 of this effusion. Saturday, September the 19th. It seems that we five number who came up last Monday are being kept to staff another stationary hospital farther up when it is ready. At least that is what it looks like from sundry rumours. If so, good enough. We have been all day in caps and aprons at Leveche, marking linen and waiting for orders on the big staircase. I've also been over both hospitals. The bad cases all seem to be dropped here off the trains. There are some awful mouth, jaw, head, leg and spine cases who can't recover, or will only be crippled wrecks. You can't realise that it has all been done on purpose, and that none of them are accidents or surgical diseases, and they seem all to take it as a matter of course. The bad ones who are conscious don't speak, and the better ones are all jolly and smiling, and ready to have another smack. One little room has two wounded German prisoners with an armed guard. One who was shot through the spine died while I was there. His orderly and the sister were with him. 
the other is a spy, nearly well, who has to be very carefully watched. They are all a long time between the field and the hospital. One told me he was wounded on Tuesday, was one day in a hospital, and then travelling till today, Saturday. No wonder their wounds are full of straw and grass. Haven't heard of any more tetanus. Most haven't had their clothes off or washed for three weeks, except face and hands. No war news today, except that the Germans are well fortified and entrenched in their positions north of Reims. Sunday, September the 20th. Began with early service at the Jesuit School Hospital at 6.30, and the rest of the day one will never forget. The fighting for these concrete entrenched positions of the Germans behind Reims has been so terrific since last Sunday that the number of casualties has been enormous. Three trains full of wounded, numbering altogether 1,175 cases, have been dressed at the station today. We were sent down at eleven this morning. The train I was put to had 510 cases. You boarded a cattle truck, armed with a tray of dressings and a pail. The men were lying on straw, had been in trains for several days. Most had only been dressed once, and many were gangrenous. If you found one urgently needed amputation or operation, or was likely to die, you called an M.O. to have him taken off the train for hospital. No one grumbled or made any fuss. Then you joined the throng in the dressing-station, and for hours doctors of all ranks, sisters and orderlies, grappled with the stream of stretchers and limping, staggering, bearded, dirty, fagged men, and ticketed them off for the motor-ambulances to the hospitals, or back to the train after dressing them. The platform was soon packed with stretchers with all the bad cases, waiting patiently to be taken to hospital. We cut off the silk vest of a dirty, brigandish-looking officer, nearly finished with a wound through his lung. The black watch and Camerons were almost unrecognisable in their rags. The staple dressing is tincture of iodine. You don't attempt anything but swabbing with Lysol, and then gauze dipped in iodine. They were nearly all shrapnel shell wounds, more ghastly than anything I have ever seen or smelt. The Mauser wounds of the Boer War were pinpricks compared with them. There was also a huge train of French wounded being dressed on the other side of the station, including lots of weird, gaily bedecked zouaves. There was no real confusion about the whole day, owing to the good organising of the number clearing hospital people who run it. Every man was fed and dressed and sorted. They'll have a heavy time at the two hospitals tonight, with the cases sent up from the trains. M and I are now, 9pm, in charge of a train of 141, with an M.O. and two orderlies, for Saint-Nazaire. We jump out at the stations and see to them, and the orderlies and the people on the stations feed them. We have the worst cases next to us. We may get there some time tomorrow morning, and when they're taken off, we train back, arriving probably on Wednesday at Le Mans. The lot on this train are the best leavings of today's trains, a marvellously cheery lot, munching bread and jam and their small share of hot tea, and blankets have just been issued. 
We ourselves have a rug and a ration of bread, tea, and jam. We had dinner on the station. When I think of your Red Cross practices on Boy Scouts and the grim reality, it makes one wonder. And the biggest wonder of it all is the grit there is in them, and the price they are individually and unquestioningly paying for doing their bit in this war. Monday, September the 21st. In train on way back to Le Mans from Saint-Nazaire. We did the journey in twelve hours and arrived at nine this morning, which was very good considering the congestion on the line. In the middle of the night we pulled up alongside an immense troop train, taking a whole brigade of Duke of Cornwall's light infantry up to the front. Such a contrast to our load coming away from the front. Our lot will be a long time getting to bed. The medical officers at Saint-Nazaire told us that there were already two trains in, and no beds left on hospitals or ships, and thirteen hundred more expected to-day. Four died in one of the trains. Ours were pretty well, after the indescribable filth and fog of the train all night. It was not an ambulance train, but trucks and ordinary carriages. The men say there are hardly any officers left in many regiments. There has never been this kind of rush to be coped with anywhere, but the Germans must be having worse. We had thirteen German prisoners tacked on to us with a guard of the London Scottish, the first territorials to come out, bursting with health and pride and keenness. They are not in the fighting line yet, but are used as escorts for the German prisoners, among other jobs. One of the men on our train had had his shoulder laid open for six inches by a shell, where he couldn't see the wound. He asked me if it was a bullet wound. He himself thought it was too large for that and might be shrapnel. He hadn't mentioned it all night. We had some dressings to be done again this morning, and then left them in charge of the M.O. and two orderlies, and went to report ourselves to the Army Directorate of Medical Services, and get a warrant for the return journey. We shall get into Le Mans somewhere about midnight. I'm not a bit tired, strange to say. We got a few rests in the night, but couldn't sleep. Tuesday, September the 22nd. Got back to Le Mans at 2 a.m., motor ambulanced up to the hospital, where an orderly made lovely beds for us on stretchers, with brown blankets and pillows, in the theatre, and labelled the door operation, in case anyone should disturb us. At six we went to our respective diggings for a wash and breakfast, and reported to Matron at eight. We have been two days and two nights in our clothes. Food, where, when, and what one could get. One wash only on a station platform, at a tap which a sergeant kindly pressed for me while I washed. One cleaning of teeth in the dark on the line between trucks. They have no water on trains or at stations, except on the engine, which makes tea in cans for you for the men when it stops. We are to rest today, to be ready for another train tonight if necessary. The line from the front to Rouen, where there are two general hospitals, is cut, hence this appalling overcrowding at our base. When we got back this morning, nine of those we took off the trains on Sunday afternoon had died here, and one before he reached the hospital, three of tetanus. I haven't heard how many at the other hospital at the Jesuit school, tetanus there too. 
some of the amputations die of septic absorption and shock, and you wouldn't wonder if you saw them. I went to the nine o'clock choral high mass this morning, at that glorious and beautiful cathedral, all gorgeous old glass and white and grey stone, slender Gothic and fat Norman. It was very fine and comforting. The sick officers are frightfully pleased to see the times, no matter how old, so are we. I've asked M. to collect their halfpenny picture daily papers once a week for the men. Wednesday, September the 23rd. Have been helping in the wards at number... today. The sisters and orderlies there have all about twice what they can get through. The big dressings are so appalling, and new cases have been coming in, all stretcher cases. As soon as they begin to recover at all, they are sent down to the base to make room for worse ones off the trains. Tomorrow I am on station duty again, possibly for another train. There is a rumour that three British cruisers have been sunk by a submarine. It can't be true. I don't see why this battle along the French frontier should ever come to an end, at any rate till both armies are exhausted and decide to go to bed. The men say we can't spot their guns. They are too well hidden in these concrete entrenchments. The weather is absolutely glorious all day, and the stars all night. Orion, with his shining bodyguard, from Sirius to Capella, is blazing every morning at four. Thursday, September the 24th, 3 p.m. Taking 480 sick and wounded down to Saint-Nazaire, with a junior staff nurse, one M.O. and two orderlies. Just been feeding them all at Angers. It is a stupendous business. The train is miles long, not corridor or ambulance, they have straw to lie on the floors and stretchers. The M.O. has been two nights in the train already on his way down from the front, four miles from the guns, and we joined on to him with a lot of hospital cases sent down to the base. I've been collecting the worst ones into carriages near ours all the way down when we stop, but of course you miss a good many. Got my haversack lined with jackanet and filled with cut dressings, very convenient, as you have both hands free. We continually stop at little stations, so you can get to a good many of them, and we get quite expert at clawing along the footboards. Some of the men, with their eyes, noses, or jaws shattered, are so extraordinarily good and uncomplaining. Got hold of a spout feeder and some tubing at Angers, for a boy in the Grenadier Guards, with a gaping hole through his mouth to his chin, who can't eat and cannot otherwise drink. The French people bring coffee, fruit, and all sorts of things to them when we stop. We shall have to wait at Saint-Nazaire all day, and come back by night to-morrow. One swanky ambulance train carries four permanent sisters to the front to fetch cases to Le Mans and the base. They go to Villeneuve. They say the country is deserted, crops left to waste, houses empty, and when you get there no one smiles or speaks, but listens to the guns. The men seem to think the Germans have got our range, but we haven't found theirs. The number of casualties must be nearly into five figures this last battle alone, 
and when you think of the Russians, the Germans, the French, the Austrians and the Belgians, all like that, the whole convulsion seems more meaningless than ever for civilised nations. This is in scraps owing to the calls of duty. The beggars simply swarm out of the train at every stop, if they can limp or pull up by one arm, to get the fruit and things from the French. Friday, September the 25th. In train back to Le Mans, 9 p.m. We landed our tired, stiff, painful convoy at Saint-Nazaire at 8.45 yesterday evening. The M.O.s there told us our lot made 1,800 that had come down since early morning. One load of bad cases took eight hours to unload. The officers all seemed depressed and overworked and they were having a very tight fit to get beds for them at the various hospitals at Saint-Nazaire. At about 10 p.m. the last were taken off by the motor ambulances, and we got some dinner on the station with our civil surgeon, who was looking forward to a night in a tent out of a train. The rail transport officer found us an empty first-class carriage in the station to sleep in, and the sergeant found us a candle and matches, and put us to bed, after a sketchy wash provided by the buffet lady. The din was continuous all night, so one didn't sleep much, but had a decent rest. And a flea! The sergeant called us at six-thirty, and we had another sketchy wash, and coffee and rolls and jam at the buffet. Then we found our way to the hospital ship Carisbrook Castle. The army sister in charge was most awfully kind, showed us over, made the steward turn on hot baths for us, provided note-paper, kept us to lunch, the nicest meal we've seen for weeks. The ship had five hundred cases on board, and was taking two hundred more, many wounded officers. A captain of the told me all his adventures from the moment he was hit till now. His regiment had nine officers killed and twenty-seven wounded. He said they knew things weren't going well in that retreat, but they never knew how critical it was at the time. After lunch we took our grateful leave, and went to the ADMS's office for our return warrants for the RTO. I have just had to sign it for fourteen, as senior officer of our two selves, and twelve ASC men taking two trucks of stores who have no officer with them. There we heard that ten of our number sisters were ordered to Nantes for duty by the 428, so we hied back to the station to meet them and see them off. They were all frightfully glad to be on the move at last, and we had a great meeting. The rest are still bathing at La Baule and cursing their luck. While we were getting some coffee in the only patisserie in the dirty little town, seven burly officer boys of the Black Watch came in, to buy cakes for the train, they said, to-night. They were nearly all second lieutenants, one captain, and were so excited at going up to the front they couldn't keep still. They asked us eagerly if we'd had many of our regiment wounded, and how many casualties were there, and how was the fighting going, and how long would the journey take. The nearer you get to the front, the longer it takes, as trains are always having to shunt, and to go round loops to make room for supply trains. They didn't seem to have the dimmest idea what they're in for, bless them. 
they're on this train in the next carriage. The Padre told me he was the only one at Saint-Nazaire for all the hospitals and all the troops in camp, fifteen thousand in one camp alone. He had commandeered the Bishop of Khartoum to help him, and another bishop, who both happened to be here. We are now going to turn out the light, and hope for the best, till they come to look at the warrant, or turn us out to change. 6 a.m. At Sable at 4 a.m. we were turned out for two hours, a wee open station. Mr. and our civil surgeon were most awfully decent to us, turned a sleepy official out of a room for us, and at five came and dug us out, to have coffee and brioche with them. Then we went for a sunrise walk round the village, and were finally dragged into their carriage, as they thought it was more comfortable than ours. Just passed a big French ambulance train, full from Compiègne. At Le Mans the train broke up again, and everybody got out. We motor-ambulanced up to the hospital, with the three night-sisters coming off station duty. Matron wanted us to go to bed for the day, but we asked to come on after lunch, as they were busy, and we weren't overtired. I'm realising to-night that I have been on the train four nights out of six, and bed is bliss at this moment. I was sent to number stationery at the Jesuits' College to take over the officers at one o'clock. One was an angelic gunner-boy with a septic leg and an undaunted smile, except when I dressed his leg, and he said, "'Oh, damn!' The other bad one was wounded in the shoulder. They kept me busy till Sister came back, and then I went to my beloved cathedral and vergered some Highland Tommies round it. They had fits of awe and joy over it, and grieved over reams. It is awfully hard to make these sick officers comfortable, with no sheets or pillowcases, no air ring cushions, pricky shirts, thick cups without saucers, etc. One longs for the medical comforts of I hear to-night that Miss the principal matron on the lines of communication, on the war establishment staff, is here again, and may have a new destination for some of us details. The heading in Le Matin to-night is Une lutte acharnée de la Somme à la Meuse, la bataille redouble de violence. If it redoubles de violence much longer, who will be left? Sunday, September the 27th. My luck is in this time. Miss has just sent for me to tell me I am for permanent duty on number ambulance train, equipped, which goes up to the front, to the nearest point on the rail to the fighting line. Did you ever know such luck? There are four of us, one army sister and me and two juniors. We live all together on the train. The train will always be pushed up as near the field hospitals as the line gets to, whether we drive the Germans back to Berlin or they drive us into the sea. It is now going to Brenne, a little east of Soissons, just south of the Aisne, northeast of Reims. It is on its way up now, and we are to join it with our baggage when it stops here on the way to Saint-Nazaire. We shall have two days and two nights with wounded, and two days and two nights to rest on the return empty. The work itself will be of the grimmest possible, as we shall have all the worst cases, 
being an equipped hospital in a train. It was worth waiting five weeks to get this. Every man or woman stuck at the base has dreams of getting to the front, but only one in a hundred gets the dream fulfilled. There is no doubt that the horrors of war have outdone themselves by this modern perfection of machinery killing and the numbers involved, as they have never done before, and as it was known they would. The details are often unprintable. There have eight cases of tetanus at number stationary, and five have died. All the patients at number have been inoculated against tetanus today. They have it in the French hospitals, too. Went to the voluntary evening service for the troops at the theatre at five. The Padres and a Union Jack and the Allies' flags, and a piano on the stage. Officers and sisters in the stalls, and the rest packed tight with men. They were very reverent, and nearly took the roof off in the hymns, creed, and Lord's Prayer. Excellent sermon. We had the war intercessions, and a good prayer I didn't know, ending with, Strengthen us in life, and comfort us in death. The men looked what they were, British to the bone. No one could take them for any other nation a mile off. Clean, straight, thin, sunburnt, clear-eyed, all at their active service best, no pallid rolls of fat on their faces like the French. The man who preached must have liked talking to them in that pin-dropped silence and attention. He evidently knows his opportunities. Monday, September the 28th. There are hundreds of people in deep new black in this town. What must it be in Berlin? The cemetery here is getting full of French and British soldiers' graves. Those twelve hundred sailors from the three cruisers had fine, clean, quick deaths compared to what happens here. We have got our baggage, kit-bags and hold-alls, down to the station at the Red Cross Anglaise, and are sitting in our quarters waiting for the word to come that number train is in. Met Miss in her car in the town, and she said that it was just possible that the train might go down to Havre this journey. She wasn't dead sure it was doing this route. If so, we shall be nicely and completely sold, as I don't know how we should ever join it. But I'm not going to believe in such bad luck as that would be, till it happens. Tuesday, September the 29th. We were sold last night, after all. Trailed down to the station to await the train according to orders, and were then told by the ADMS that it had gone to Havre this journey, and couldn't be on this line till next week, and we could go to bed. So, after all the embraces of Madame and Fanny and Isabel, I turned up at ten-thirty to ask for a bed. "'Ma pauvre demoiselle!' said Fat F., hastening to let me in. This morning Miss came down with us to the ADMS's office to find out how we could join the train, and he said, "'Wait till it comes in next week.' and meanwhile go on duty at the hospital. I don't mind anything as long as we do eventually get on to the train, and we are to do that, so one must possess one's soul in patience. I am back with the sick officers at number stationery. There are rumours to-night of bad news from the front, and that the German navy is emerging from Kiel. Wednesday, September the 30th. 
have been doing the sick officers all day, or rather wounded. They are quite nice, but the lack of equipment makes twice the work. We are still having bright sunny days, but it is getting cold, and I shall be glad of warmer clothes. The food at the still filthy inn in a dark outhouse through the back yard has improved a little. My madame, in my billet, gives me coffee and bread and butter, of the best, at seven, and there is a ration tin of jam, and I have acquired a pot of honey. On duty at 7.30 a.m., at twelve or one we go to the inn for déjeuner, meat of some sort, one vegetable, bread, butter and cheese, and pears. Tea we provide ourselves when we can. At seven or eight we go to the inn and have potage, which is warm water with a few stray onions or carrots in it, and tough cold meat, and sometimes a piece of pastry for pudding, bread, butter and cheese, and a very small cup of coffee, and little rather hard pears. I am very well on it since they changed the bread, though pretty tired. Thursday, October the 1st. The sky in mid-France on October the 1st is of a blue that out-blues the bluest that June or any other month can do in L'Angleterre. It is cold in the early mornings and evenings, dazzling all day and shining moon by night. The Honourable Artillery Company are all over the town. They do orderly duty at headquarters and all the offices. They seem to be gentlemen in Tommy's kit. Fine big lot they are. Taking it all round, the regular British army on active service, from hoary beribboned generals, decorated staff officers of all ranks, other officers, and NCOs, down to the humblest Tommy, is the politest and best-mannered thing I have ever met, with few exceptions. Wherever you are, or go, or have to wait, they come and ask if they can do anything for you, generally with an engaging smile, seize your hand-baggage, offer you chairs, and see you through generally. And the men and NCOs are just the same, and always awfully grateful if you can help them out with the language in any way. This was a conversation I heard in my ward to-day. Brother of Captain Wounded visits the amputation man, and by way of cheering him up, sits down, gazes at his ugly bandaged stump on a pillow, and says, "'That must be the devil!' "'Yes, it is,' says the leg-man. "'Hell!' says the other, and then they both seemed to feel better, and began to talk of something else. We had a funeral of an orderly and a German from number stationary, both tetanus. On grey transport wagons with big black horses, wreaths from the orderlies, carried by a big RAMC escort, which of course escorted the German too, with officers and padre and two sisters. Friday, October the 2nd. They continue to die every day and night at both hospitals, though we are taking few new cases in now. I am frightfully attached to Le Mans as a place. The town is old and curly, and full of lovely corners and place and views and avenues and gardens. The cathedral grows more and more upon one. I have several special spots where you get the most exquisite poems of colour and stone, where I go and browse. It is very quiet and beautifully kept.
Number stationery is also set in a jewel of a spot, a Jesuit's college full of cloisters covered with vines and lawns with silver statues, shady avenues and sunny gardens, long corridors and big halls which are the wards. The cookhouse is a camp under a splendid row of big chestnut trees, and there is, of course, a chapel. Our occupation of it is rather incongruous. There is practically no furniture except the boys' beds, some chairs, many crucifixes and statues, terribly primitive sanitary arrangements and water supply. We have to boil our instruments and make their tea in the same one saucepan in the officer's ward. You do without dusters, dishcloths, soap dishes, pillowcases, and many other necessities in peacetime. My little train junior has been taken off that job, and is to rejoin her unit, so I settled down to a prospect of the same fate. Number General Hospital is at Havre again, and has still not yet done any work, so you see what I have been rescued from. I met Miss tonight, and asked her, and she says I am going on the train when it comes in, so I breathe again. Tuesday, October the 6th. I am now dividing my time between the top floor of Tommy's and five Germans and the officer's ward, where I relieve S for meals and off-duty. There are some bad dressings in the top ward. The five Germans are quiet, fat, and amenable, glad to exchange a few remarks in their own language. I haven't had time to try and talk to them, but will if I can. Two of them are very badly wounded. Some of the medical Tommies make the most of very small ailments, but the surgicals are wonderful boys. Wednesday, October the 7th. I have been down to the station this evening, heard that Saint-Nazaire is being given up as a base, which means that no more ambulance trains will come through. The five Germans in my ward told me this morning that only the Reichstag and the Kaiser wanted the war, that Russia began it, so Deutschland müssen, that Deutschland couldn't win against Russia, France, England, Belgium and Japan, and that there were no more men in Germany to replace the killed. They smiled peacefully at the prospect and said it was Gunt's Gault to be going to England. They have fat, pink, ruminating, innocent, fair faces, and are very obedient. I made one of them scrub the floor, as the orderly had a bad arm from inoculation, and he seemed to enjoy it. Only one is married. Thursday, October the 8th There was a very picturesque and rather touching scene at number this afternoon. They had a concert in the open quadrangle, with vined cloisters on all four sides, and holy statues and crucifixes about. In the middle were the audience, rows of stretchers with contented Tommies smoking and enjoying it, some up in their grey-blue pyjamas, and many orderlies, some sisters and M.O.s and French priests, the piano on a platform at one end. Friday, October the ninth. My compound fractured femur man told me how he stopped his bullet. Some wounded Germans held up the white flag, and he went to them to help them. When he was within seven yards, the man he was going to help shot him in the thigh. A Coldstream guardsman with him then split the German's head open with the butt-end of his rifle. The wounded Tommy was eventually taken to the chateau of the 
Lydy what killed the editor somewhere in this country. Saturday, October the 10th. Orders by Lieutenant Colonel RAMC ADMS Advanced Base Headquarters October the 10th, 1914. Sister will proceed to Villeneuve Triage today and on arrival will report to Major RAMC for duty on ambulance trains. So it's come at last, and I have handed over my officers and am now installed by the RTO in a first-class carriage to myself, with all my kit and my lovely coat and muffler and rug and cushion, after a pleasant dinner of tea, cheese and ration biscuits in the Red Cross dressing-room with a kind army sister. The RTO this time has given me, instead of twelve ASC men, a highly important envelope marked very urgent, to give to the director of supplies, Villeneuve, whoever he is. Change at Versailles in about six hours, so I may as well try and get some sleep. I was really sorry to say good-bye to my kind old Madame Bontevin, Vin de Rue de la Motte, and fat Fanny, and charming Isabel, and my nice little room, a heavenly bed, and ducky little gay garden where I've lived for the last month and my beloved cathedral, and lots of the sisters I have got to know. Versailles, 7 a.m., Sunday, October the 11th. At 3 a.m. at Chartres, an officer of a Zouave regiment in blue and gold Zouave, blue sash, crimson bags like petticoats, and black putties, and his smartly dressed sister, came into my carriage, both very nice and polite and friendly. He was twenty-one, had fought in three campaigns, and been wounded twice, now convalescent after a wound in the foot a month ago, going to the depot to rejoin. Her husband also at the front, and another brother. I changed at Versailles and was given tea and a slight wash by the always hospitable station duty sisters who welcome you at every big station. The number G.H. here they belong to is a very fine hotel with lovely gardens, and they are very proud of it, close to the palace. 10 a.m. Juvisy. I am now in an empty first-class saloon, where I can take a long walk, after a long wait, with café au lait and an omelette at Juvisy, and the times of October the 5th. There is a pleasing uncertainty about one's own share on active service. I haven't the slightest idea whether— when I get to Villeneuve in half an hour's time, I shall a. remain there awaiting orders either in a French billet, a railway carriage, or a tent, b. be sent up to Brenne to join a train, or c. be sent down to Havre to ditto. We had a man in number stationary, who got through the famous charge of the Ninth Lancers unhurt, but came into hospital for an ingrowing toenail. Villeneuve, 5 p.m. Like a blithering idiot, I was so interested in the gunner's diary of his birthday, in my hole, that I passed Villeneuve triage and got out the station after, had to wait one and a half hours for a train back, and got here eventually at twelve, collared four polite London Scottish to carry my baggage, and found the sister in charge of train ambulance people. I wish I could describe this extraordinary place. 
It is the Swindon of France, a huge wilderness of railway lines, trains, and enormous hangars, now used as camps and hospitals. Sister B is encamped in a shut-off corner of one of these sheds, surrounded by London Scottish, cooking and making tea in little groups. They swarm here. I sleep to-night in the same small bed in an empty cottage with a sister I've never seen before. We meal at a convent French hospital. I delivered my very urgent envelope to the RTO for the Director of Supplies and reported to Major and after lunch had an hour's sleep on the bed. There are rows of enterics on stretchers in khaki in this shed, waiting for motor ambulances to take them to Versailles number General Hospital, being nursed here meanwhile. There are also British prisoners, defaulters, penned in in another corner, and French troops at the other end. End of chapter 2